0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Friday seminar series of the fourth week of Mikkelman's term. As many of you will, will know, our theme for this term has been on contemporary Islam in the Middle East and North Africa. Those of you who came last week will know, know that we hosted Stefan Lacroix speaking about Salafism in Egypt. Uh, this evening, we move um, our attention to focus on Turkey. And we are very pleased to welcome our friend and, and colleague, Dr. Katerina Dallacora. Uh, Katharina is Associate Professor uh, of International Relations at the London School of Economics and Political Science, and she is a leading authority on the role of Islam and Islamism um, in the international relations, as her last two books uh, attest. Um, Islam, Liberalism, and Human Rights, Implications for International Relations, which came out in 2007, and then in 2011... Islamist terrorism democracy uh, in, the, in the Middle East. And we are very privileged to welcome her here this evening to talk about her latest project for which she has secured a major research fellowship from the Leverhulme Trust. Now, anybody who knows about getting research grants from the Leverhulme Trust is this is the golden, golden buzzer uh, uh, of, uh, of, of the grants. Uh, so if you get one of those, um, you get it's a three year fellowship. And they are very tough to get on, and only the top and most impressive researchers get that. So we can see that with, <laughs> Ka- with Katharina. Yes. So we really are getting the absolute <laughs> top notch, cutting edge researchers. So we're delighted that is actually st- in the midst of this project, so we're particularly pleased that she gave time uh, out from that to come and talk about the ongoing project. Now, the, the project she's working on is one of an intellectual, uh, intellectual history. But she wants to engage with various aspects of uh, international relations, particularly the idea of global IR. And she's looking at it through the international thought of the Islamist movement and Islamist thinkers in Turkey. Indeed, as the title of the project and tonight's lecture states, The International Thought of Turkish Islamists' History, Civilization and Nation. Katerina.
1: Thank you very much for the kind invitation. Um, I was going to talk a little bit about my past myself, but you've covered some of that, uh, Michael. I just want to um, make one uh, point before starting, that over the past seven years or so, I decided in my own uh, work to make a shift away from international relations to. Something more akin to Middle Eastern studies, and and, and and and of course, my work has always been at the intersection of these two broad areas. But uh, language has been uh, the key issue here, and uh, I have started learning Turkish in order to be able to do this kind of project, and I have pursued it through uh, more detailed empirical research compared to what I was doing in the past within the broad field of international relations. So this has been an intellectual journey for me, which is something I have been wanting to do for for a while. Now, um, what I'm going to do in this lecture is talk to you about the project I'm engaged in. I will say a little bit bit about the theoretical framework and my methodological approach approach, and I will focus mostly on the empirical side of what I'm doing, and in particular on the work I've completed in the first year of the project, which has just finished, I'm now in the second year, which is on history and historiography. So the broad context for the project, the theoretical context, if you want to say it, is what is nowadays called global international relations. The term, I find, is very contested. And I see that there is a fault line between two caps when it comes to this term. Those who see the global as a unified entity with underlying interconnections, making it fruitful to study as one thing and those who see the global as fragmented, and specifically between Western and non-Western thought, or Western and non-Western IR. I'm very much of the first camp. I find the terms Western, non-Western, when it comes to international relations, very problematic and reductionist, and not leading us uh, anywhere really in our debates. And my knowledge of Islamist thought in Turkey has made me question these categories even more. So the aim of the study is to uh, (coughs) provide empirical detail and to back up this idea that perhaps when we talk about West, non-West, it doesn't make very much sense. So when we come specifically to Islamist thought in Turkey, which is my uh, um, area of focus, I find that uh, there are commonalities between the West and non-West of modern frames and concepts that straddle across societies. The intellectual context in which Turkish Islamism developed was shaped by western muslim and other philosophical and political debates and trends of thought so there are parallel developments and influences with global intellectual trends throughout the history of islamist thought in the republican period for instance the shift of turkish islamism to conservatism and authoritarianism from the 1930s onwards reflected The decline of Islamic modernism in the Middle East and its shift away from secular nationalism uh, towards socialism and even fascism. Simultaneously, it echoed the rise of conservative and fascist trends of thought in Europe. In another example, in the 1970s and 80s, Turkish Islamism reflected the rise of identity politi- politics globally, the emergence of Islamic fundamentalism in the Middle East, and simultaneously the postmodern critique of progress, reason and modernity. A third period is the 1990s, in which the third way of Turkish Islamists came about as they became increasingly engaged with their global counterparts and endorsed universalist ideas such as democracy and human rights. However, Turkish Islamist parties, and especially the AKP, continue to have close links with Arab Islamist organizations. So this is the project that I'm doing in its broad theoretical context. So I I was interested in Turkish Islamism and I started off by placing it, and this is what the the project in the book do uh, by placing it in this uh, international relations context called global IR. So there is, if you want to to stay with that thought, there is is, um, a concern that I have within the discipline of international relations that I want to speak to uh, while doing this project. So this is the first part of what I want to say. Now what this means in methodological terms is that I examine who has influenced Turkish Islamist thinkers to put it very simply I inquire how Turkish Islamists are situated within transnational networks and to put it even more simply who it is that they are reading so a lot of the empirical work that I'm doing is actually looking at the sources of knowledge of various Turkish Islamist thinkers. Now, the project is a broad-based historical project. It starts from 1923. It covers the whole Republican period. This is the aim of it. And it is a work on intellectual history. So I'm not looking at the sources of Islamist ideas, and I'm not looking at the impact of these ideas. I'm not looking at foreign policy, for example, of the, of the Akete or other Islamist actors. I'm just looking at ideas in the abstract. And uh, of course, uh, as the author, I'm able to narrow this down to uh, the particular focus. I focus on individual thinkers. I situate those thinkers in the broad uh, intellectual context, uh, which is often defined by the Sufi uh, Tariqat orders in Turkey and the Jamaat uh, as well, and within the Ottoman tradition, the legacy of Islamic thought, which is very, very important still in Turkey in many different ways. The way I have chosen to do this work is by studying texts. So I'm looking at what Islamists have uh, written and their discourse. And insofar as uh, they are alive, I'm also trying to interview as many of them as possible. I rely extensively on my two excellent research assistants, one of whom is here, Mark Nan Winro and Tuna Han Yildiz, in Turkey because I do have Turkish as I was saying earlier but not enough to cover the reams of text which is uh, often the production of uh, these Islamist thinkers now I've travelled to Turkey a lot and I will be travelling more going back and forth in the coming two years of the project as I've said I've completed the first year this has worked and this is interesting with regards to the fellowship as well is that in the build up to the application for this fellowship, for this grant I constructed very carefully a network of connections in Turkey and I uh, tried to draw these connections in order to first of all understand my topic but also gain support for Uh, the applications. To date, in the first year of the fellowship, I have conducted about 14 interviews with Islamist thinkers, and have additionally talked to about 25 academics, journalists, people who are studying Islamism uh, in Turkey, but also uh, here. I don't want to create the impression However, and I know I'm talking to people who are writing things, you know, it could be master's dissertations or it could be PhDs, it could be uh, any of that. I don't want to create the impression that fieldwork and primary research are the only or the most important thing that I'm doing. A large percentage of my time is being spent on the secondary literature, of which there is a tremendous amount when it comes to Turkish Islamism. And I have spent a lot of time this past year trying to map the various schools of thought uh, within Turkish Islamism uh, and often tearing my hair out <laughs> about the different sort of strands and how they rel- relate uh, to one another. So I've talked a little bit about the frame of the project, Global IR, and I've told you a little bit about the methodology, the the methods I'm using, the way I've decided to do that particular project. So now let me move to the third and really the bigger part of the lecture, which is about the empirical part of the project. It consists of three sections, history and historiography, civilization and culture nationalism and the state in all three cases i'm trying to outline how islamists think about these topics and indeed how they think about them when it comes to the international realm this is not a project about domestic politics but it's about uh, uh, the the uh, sort of um, broader global Uh, Context. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk first about culture and civilization, briefly, then about nationalism, the nation, and the state, and then I will talk about historiography and history, which is the bigger part of uh, what I want to, uh, to say. Culture and civilization are 19th century concepts which became defining aspects of how modern individuals thought about the world. And what we see in the case of the Ottoman uh, Empire is that towards the end of the 19th century, there arose a distinction between civilization in the universal sense and particular civilizations, European, Islamic, Asian, and so on. A group of thinkers called Young Ottomans were instrumental in introducing the idea of the Muslim world into the Ottoman public discourse, an idea that then Sultan Abdul Hamid adopted and adapted to his own political purposes. Now, by the time of the establishment of the republic, the distinctions between East and West European and Islamic civilization had become hardened realities, not least in the Kemalist elite that uh, uh, ruled the new state, and also in the Islamist opponents of this uh, new state. For them, the essentialist approach and idea that there was such a thing as an Islamic civilization which spoke to the authentic culture of the people became really uh, an acceptable kind of phenomenon of what they had to say. Now there are some exceptions here, such as İsmet Özel, one thinker who um, defied this consensus and talked uh, about civilization in rejectionist uh, terms. So in the project, I'm examining how Islamists such as, for example, Najmatin Erbakan and his Mili-Gurush movement and many others distinguish between the different aspects of civilization, crucially the material and the moral aspect, and try to think through their respective benefits, typically by arguing that Muslims must adopt the material aspects of Western civilization or European civilization but retain the moral aspect, which was of course superior uh, to this uh, material aspect. Now, Turkish Islamists believe that the Islamic or Muslim civilization is the creation of Islam, the religion, and often use the two interchangeably, even though civilization is a secular idea. This is a tension that I use as background to my analysis. Different generations of Islamist thinkers approach the subject of civilization very differently. So earlier thinkers, such as Najib Fazil Kisakurek, saw civilization as being in perennial clash so the Muslim and the Western, but also other civilizations. In a more recent wave of thought in the 1990s, people like Ahmed Abutoglu and Ibrahim Kalin rejected the idea of the clash. But in my study, I have found that they're still very essentialist in how they think about Muslim and European civilization. Now. I believe, and I'm uh, hoping to show that, this essentialism hides from our view a more profound underlying reality. But the very categories of culture and civilization are modern ca- categories, as I said, emerging in the 19th century. And that, in fact, they are shared across the board between Muslim and non-Muslim uh, thinkers. Allowing for a conversation, even if not for agreement between them. Now let me move to the second, uh, uh, uh, to the second, to the second empirical section of my project. This is about nation and state. Now clearly, the subject of nation and state has preoccupied Islamist thinkers for the last 100 years of the Republic. But here again, the story goes back to the 19th century. This is a time described by many historians as the age of nationalism. And it is certainly the age, the 19th century, during which the state emerged as a set of institutions. Now, it is common knowledge that one of the defining elements of Islamism is the belief that the Ummah, the community of believers, was artificially divided by nationalist ideology, and that Muslim loyalty must supersede state identities and overcome the divisions of ethnicity, race, and language. Now, different schools of Islamists within Turkey, have worked out the relationship between the nation and the Ummah very differently. Although this inquiry, just as the project as a whole, is about the international realm, as I've just said, there are also close connections with how Islamist thinkers think about nationalism domestically. And here, I want to mention the Kurdish issue. And of course, there are many, many linkages between how Islamists approach the Kurdish minority and how they see uh, the role of nationalism uh, uh, beyond the Turkish borders. Now, Turkey, as we all know, is a country with a very robust and deep-seated sense of national identity. It's also a country with an imperial past, which for its Islamist ideologues confers the role of central player in the Muslim world. So Turkish Islamists of the Görüş movement, for example, were shaped by this very potent sense of nationalism. In recent years, even though those have moved away from Görüş. Continue to operate within a Turkey-centric uh, worldview, and we see from the 2002 onwards that the AKP has tried to put into practice this Turkey-centered view. Now, naturally, many Islamists in Turkey have rejected this uh, hypocrisy, as many see them, of proposing an umma-centered ideology while at the same time retaining a nationalist, Turkey-centered position. Now, there were strong reactions to it by revisionist, reformist, renewalist Islamist thinkers who, from the 1980s onwards, became influenced by broader Islamist ideas uh, in the Middle East and South Asia. And we see a wave of translations actually causing a lot of this uh, revisionism and the reaction to nationalist ideology. Islamists of all hues in Turkey have attempted to think of specific ways in which the Ummah can work in tandem and Muslim unity can be achieved in practice. Mostly, these have been about political cooperation and the establishment of alliances in the international system. Another way this is worked out is through proposals about the global financial system and the workings of the economy more generally. So we see a number of schemes coming from various Islamist schools of thought with regards to the workings of the international uh, economic uh, system. Now, let me move to the third and final empirical part of the project. This is on history and historiography. This is the part of the project that I've mostly completed the work on. Uh, I started with it because it was new to me, newer than the others, and uh, it was a very steep learning curve uh, uh, in order to achieve a satisfactory uh, level of knowledge. So, as argued by... Ismail Kara and other historians in Turkey. Before the 19th century, Ottoman universal histories began with the idea that there was a moment of creation of the world. Then they moved on to the rise of Islam and offered more detail about Ottoman history, which was thought to be the last and major chapter in the history of Islam so history was framed within a religious uh, uh, context and it was thought often to be uh, advancing if not necessarily progressing towards judgment day and non-Islamic peoples and societies featured very little compared to this Uh, uh, Islamic centered view and indeed Ottoman centered view now what we see again during the crucial century which is the 19th century is a shift away from that as realities of power forced the Ottomans to acknowledge uh, uh, Europe as uh, often the center of power and with the realities of power change historical uh, uh, approaches. As a result of these shifts, there's a new periodization of history, going back to the Phoenicians, to the Assyrians, and other civilizations. Now, this historical framework became widespread in Turkey after the establishment of the Republic. And it is within this context that Turkish Islamists must be situated, and it is to this that they are reacting. Now, what I have done for the purposes of writing this chapter or section of the book, and for the purposes of presenting it to you as well, is focus on four themes. The first is agency. Who drives history? The second is periodization. What are the starting points, the major turning points of history? Thirdly, is the idea of change and the direction of history? Is history progressing? And what is the relationship between present and past? And fourthly, what is the center of history, the core geographically, but in other ways as well now what I'm doing is tracing the answers given to these questions or themes by different Islamist thinkers and uh, Islamist schools of thought so I've spent a lot of time in the past year trying to um, uh, talking to people reading their work trying to understand what are the answers that they're giving to these four Issues when it comes to history and historiography. Now, on the first one, agency, the basic question is very simple: it's who drives history? Is it God or is it human beings? The traditional idea is that God determines everything. But I have not come across many Islamists who actually think in this way. There is no absolute such view. There are differences of degree when you start looking at the uh, closer picture, so to speak. But humanism tends to be rejected as a Western input and a very problematic What happens more often than not is that there is an an acknowledgement by Islamist thinkers that God determines everything, but then the real discussion is about the nature and the degree of human responsibility. This is a very familiar pattern. Now, there are many examples of how the question of agency connects with historical perspectives more specifically. A number of theologians explore how the theological idea of Tevhid, unity of God, influences perspectives on history. There's a connection between ideas on history and predestination at the moral individual level with implications for what happens at the collective level. Another example is the issue of leadership. Is history driven by the strong individual or by society collectively? Islamists often focus on the strong man model and interpret historical change through it. Now, the idea of Muslim victimhood and also nostalgia for the past, for a great past, uh, very often, can also be linked to agency. According to Hari Kirbashoglu, for example, who's a a well-known progressive Islamist in Turkey, this idea of victimhood allows Muslims to evade historical responsibility for their own issues and problems. And connected with it is the idea that uh, conspiracies occur. This is also linked to a sense of lack of agency. I draw a connection in this work between historical agency about uh, historical debate about agency and the discussion in Turkey at the moment within the bounds of Islamism over historicism. This is a discussion around people like Mustafa al-Sturk and others from the Ankara Theology School who are influenced by Fazlur Rahman and have commonalities with contemporary modernists in Egypt such as Hassan Hanafi and people from Iran such as Uh, uh, uh, Abdul Karim Sorouz. Now, historicists argue that the text, and in particular the Quran, must be interpreted within the boundaries of the historical moment in which it emerged. This implies, because humans have to do the interpretation, that human beings have the ability to, to do that and that therefore they are agents of their own destiny, rather than following the word of God. And it goes against the idea that God intervenes directly in history. I can return to this in the q a if you wish. It's a complicated issue. And historicism in Turkey connects with many other different schools, reformist schools of thought. uh, The sort of uh, differences and similarities there, including what some people, Andrew, for example, have called Salafism uh, within the Turkish family. Periodization is another theme. The second theme around which I organize the material. Now, for the most part, Islamists. believe that history begins with Adam. This has implications for how they view, for example, evolution theory. Those of you who follow Turkish politics will know that there's a big debate and a big problem in many ways around uh, evolution theory. But again, I found that um, many Islamists actually do not completely reject evolution theory. Uh, and they try to find ways of reconciling their belief that history starts with Adam, with the idea of evolution. There are other questions here. For example, the importance of 7th century Arabia. The moment in which Islam appears uh, in the world. How does this uh, relate to other periods and other important perhaps areas of uh, history. More particularly thinking about periods such as feudalism and modernity and the extent to which they're appropriate for Turkey is something that is raised time and again within those debates. So someone like Mustafa Arman, for example, questions these and historical uh, sort of theories and says that they're completely unfit to explain uh, what uh, has happened in Turkey there are connections here with ethnic conceptions of history and these are debates within Turkish historiography that have been going on in various forms for a long time now the most significant issue in my mind is about the theme or direct the theme about the direction of history and specifically the idea of change and progress. As I mentioned already, in traditional theological terms, the end of history is thought to be judgment day. But this obscures a number of disagreements between Islamist thinkers, and especially about how present-day society should relate to its past. So someone like Atasoyim of Turghul, for example, would argue that the Muslim world must end its romance with a past, which has blocked progress in a variety of ways. So he criticizes those other Islamists who idealize, for example, 7th century Arabia, or even uh, the Ottoman period, and, and argues that this is a very problematic way of relating with the past which should be overcome within the boundaries of Islamist thought. Again, there is a difference between abstract thinking and the actual views of uh, Islamist thinkers. Indeed, some view 7th century Arabia as a model, but they use it loosely as such. And try to draw broad principles from it as opposed to literal guidance about how a society should be run. Often they use the metaphor of the spiral to reconcile progressive thinking, expectation about change and improvement, and the classical idea that Asri Sadat should be uh, sort of clung onto. Now, there's another group of Turkish Islamists, the most nationalist oriented of them, who are in fact the majority in Turkey, who see the Ottoman Empire as the pinnacle of Islamic history. Now, this is straightforward, I will not sort of spend too much time on it, except to say that even within those Ottomanists, there are different interpretations about what was valuable in the Ottoman Empire and what principles should be derived from looking at the Ottoman Empire as that pinnacle of uh, Islamic indeed, world history. So the key here is not which past you relate to, but also how you relate to that past. Now, finally, there is the question of the center of history. This is a particularly poignant one in Turkey, for the reason I've just mentioned, which is its imperial past. The first disagreement over this is between those Islamists who see the Ottoman Empire as, as I said, the pinnacle of Muslim history, and others who view the seventh century Arabia as that pinnacle of Islamic history. So one can describe this as a Turkey centered versus an Arab centered uh, uh, debate, or well, two views Turkey centered and uh, Arab centered. And there are, of course, other parts of the uh, Muslim world, Iran, South Asia, nowadays Southeast Asia, uh, which can play a part in this debate and are indeed taken into account. But last but not least, there is a conversation about Europe and uh, the West in general in the modern period. So you're all familiar with the debate on Western centrism or Eurocentrism. It's a big thing nowadays within the boundaries of international relations. It is raging in Turkey. Uh, It is is, uh, uh, absolutely uh, very much at the top of the agenda, not just of Islamistikis, but of course more widely. Now, it has become part of a small industry, I would say, uh, uh, sort of provided for by the Akyaite. So for those of you who are interested in the material production of knowledge, uh, Turkey is a fascinating case because you actually see how <laughs> um, if, if, you, if you have the material means, the money, and the will, and the power, you can begin to promote and build a, a new worldview. Uh, and, and, and And this is very much something that the AKP has done in its 20 uh, years in, in power. But this is, of course, not to say that there is Really, also a valid uh, uh, debate about uh, uh, Eurocentrism. Okay, let me conclude uh, by trying to summarize very briefly um, what I have uh, uh, what I have said and <coughs> what I'm trying to do um, in this work. So there are two <coughs> objectives. Here itself can be read on two levels and hopefully when the book is produced r- written and produced it will be read by two different types of audiences first it's a work on intellectual history and specifically on how Turkish Islamists in all their diversity approach the international world and this is done in terms of ideas rather than policy through the three themes uh, that I have select- selected, so what the book is hoping to achieve is offer new material um, about about or new knowledge, new empirical knowledge that I have gathered and I will be gathering over the three years. Now some. Parts of this project, for example, the history and historiography one I've talked to you about, are much more lacking. Uh, there's, there's clearly something that people haven't, haven't worked on, whereas civilization, nationalism, of course, there are more familiar topics and more has been done on them. But always the question here is how you present a particular uh, topic. Uh, one example is the following. I talked to you when when I came to history and historiography about the four themes through which I'm presenting the materials that I've gathered. This is, in fact, the fourth version of this chapter, and the fourth way of organizing this chapter that uh, I reached after a lot of work, starting first with a chronological approach then going on to a, a, a, a way of organizing it, which was about schools of thought. Then the third one was uh, focused on Asri Sadet, and the turkey centered versus Arab-centered um, way of, of looking at the debate. And then finally, I reached the four themes way of organizing the chapter. Um, As always, when you move away from chronology and you go to a thematic approach, it's a lot of work for the author, but it pays off, uh, I think, ultimately, because you can convey something in in a new way that perhaps is easier for the um, reader to digest and hang on to uh, at the end of the day. So this is the empirical level in the first part the first purpose of this project. The second is to offer an empirically grounded view of what global IR means. To move the debate away from, forward, uh, in a field which is sometimes very general in its aspirations, and, uh, sort of, and more about aspirations, actually, than delivering uh, the the detailed material to show uh, something persuasively. So my argument here is that because the concepts that pervade Islamist uh, thought in Turkey, such as civilization, such as the nation, nationalism, progress, the Muslim world, all these are mostly 19th century modern concepts there's a lot of work on that in in IR, which allow for a conversation a kind of mutual understanding if not agreement between different settings between different societies that in fact there is much more uh, commonality here than uh, uh, for example the idea of western non-western would allow for so when, when I look at these authors, when I look at the notes, the footnotes, when I look at their bibliographies, when I talk to them, uh, they have read all kinds of uh, Middle Eastern, uh, European, South Asian uh, uh, intellectuals. And it's very difficult to separate and say, oh, this is just about the West or just about, uh, about the Islamic. So, when you, when you look at the detail, I think the categories of Western and non Western uh, dissolve. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> thank you very much for, for, for the presentation. And thank you very much for, for coming, talking at a, a project through its halfway through and, and guiding us through your thought process. How you put a project and why you put it again, which is very valuable. Often we hear people when things are uh, is it completely finished, which doesn't get a, a, a sense of how and why and in what ways approaching a project. And I, I found that was fascinating. Thank you for being quite honest about the challenges of coming on that, which is something which I, haven't I, told you I the think half we all. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a really important part of research, yes, and I know yes. we, we've been talking to the students, but yeah. thank you for that. Um, one, one thing that I was very interested by was your approach to take. Um, looking at periodization, because I think periodization really gives us an insight to how people view world and how they view history. And you talked obviously about the centrality of how the Ottoman Empire uh, in thought. Is there much you're coming across about how Turkish Islamists periodize the post-Ottoman period? Because it's probably going to be rather different than, say, Islamists elsewhere look at it. Or is it? Are there, Have you got a sense of? Or is that a period that they don't really periodise? That really, be the, f- the end of the empire is the end of the last significant period.
1: Yes, um, actually, I'll, I'll go to, yeah. to the microphone. So it's very difficult for me to answer that because there tends to be um, there tends to be a, um, a feeling of well, an embattled. An embattled uh, feeling, and and and this has translated into mm-hmm. many Islamist thinkers attempting to reject the republican narrative about who the Turks are, for example. Uh, when they, their history started, um, they have tried to. Well, they've castigated the Republican, the Kemalists, essentially, <coughs> for um, cutting off the Republic from its roots, and they have argued that as a result, Turks have been impoverished by this uh, by this decision, and this decision had practical and sort of it was. On the basis of practical steps, but it, it was also a conscious intellectual uh, uh, decision, uh, naturally. So there is no, there's no, there's no periodization post 1923 as such.
0: That's the last big division for them. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, and there is. And, and, and, and now I will say something that I didn't perhaps touch on uh, um, as much I didn't, I didn't have time in, in, in, in the lecture which is that there is there's is really uh, not much positive historiography uh, writing mm-hmm. there's no there's, there's not much production which has which has followed the critique of that mm-hmm. if you see what I mean. so a lot of my time, uh, over the past year has been spent trying to find Muslim historians in Turkey. Not Muslim, in, not Islamist intellectuals, but Islamist, and Islamist historians. There's a, there's a very big difference. So I'm try- I was trying to locate people who have written about, who are proper historians, but who come to this from a, an Islamist point of view. And I have not been able to find <laughs> anyone. Um, there are people like, for those of you who know Ismail Kara, I mentioned him already, but he's a historian of Islamist thought in Turkey, which is very different from an Islamist historian who wants to revisit um, the big questions and who we are and where do we belong and how do we relate with other Muslims, and this work has not been done yet. Now, in in my in my desperation, and and of course as I became more curious, I, w- I was trying to find, for example, Egyptian Egyptian um, Islamist historians. But there again, um, there's not all that much. Uh, of course, it's not my area. It's difficult to get to this information, but but you find actually very little of the positive as opposed to the critique, of which there is plenty. So in terms of my methods, what I've uh, decided to do is tease from the work of Islamist intellectuals, their broad work, tease out the implications of that broad worldview, that broad work, for history. But I've had to do that as opposed to relying on something that would be uh, uh, ready-made, so to speak, yeah?
0: That's fascinating. And the the absence says something quite clearly. it does. Which is very, very interesting. Uh,
1: And and, and even when it comes to um, Islamic historiography, again, I have tried very hard to find um, post-19th century 19th century historians but but what happens is that Muslim historians from the 19th century onwards become um, modern historians so they become historians of Egypt or, or of Turkey or, or other specific nation states but not of the Muslim world this, this, this, this is very difficult to